give me the your life. No, normally, life normally we're laughing and joking. I around. know. No <laughs> oh. oh, man. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Gathering Two Hundred Eight podcast. You might notice that we are in a, a different setting. Uh, we're actually sitting in my living room. We kicked the kids out of the. Uh, uh, living space today uh no worries they, they still get to be in the house but uh my garage was honestly just way too hot um so we're figuring out what summer is going to look like but um we uh we are going to talk about just some of the cultural climate and things that we're we're seeing happen right now um and we want to just start off with saying we are very aware that we are two white guys <laughs> from the midwest living in boise uh talking about i mean race issues and political tension and um all of that i mean everything else that's been happening in the world is all kind of compounded together to this um this really critical moment in, in a lot of ways um and so we're we're not experts uh we don't claim to be experts um, we have, I don't even know how, how you'd best say it. What? Just, <laughs> we're pastors yeah. who are, are doing our best, um, to lead people, um, uh, spiritually and, and culturally through this kind of moment as best we can. Um, I, uh, one of the things that you'll see people talking about on social media, if you've been following social media is, uh, to read. Right to mm -hmm. to educate yourself on um, other perspectives outside of your own biases, outside of your own worldview. Um, I have done some of that, but not nearly what I should of at the, mm -hmm. by this point. Um, and we were kind of talking about this yesterday um, because a lot of my ministry has been done in in areas where there hasn't been a ton of um, racial tensions. Right. And so it was it, it was never like on my short list, you know, and I worked it with youth ministry for a long time. And it just seemed like there was in the youth ministries that I was working in, there was bigger issues, you know, talking about um, alcoholism and binge drinking and suicide prevention and uh, self-harm. Like those were issues that I I became better versed on. Right. Um, but and, and in that that conversation, we were kind of even talking about our hesitancy to. Uh, to talk about this in a live format, <laughs> yeah. um, like un, unscripted, uh, yeah. because one, we're aware of who we are and uh, that we don't have, I mean, we're not experts and we don't have the experiences that, that so many Americans have. Um, and this is just such a, a sensitive topic. Yeah. Um, so, but we also feel it's an important thing to address. So here we are. Uh, and we're going to talk about it with all of you, and we would love to have you part of the co the conversation. Um, feel free to to comment or ask questions, or uh, if you, there's something you want our opinion on, you can um, you can send that as well. If you're uncomfortable, um, if you're posting uncomfortable it publicly. posting it publicly, and you've got Kellen or I's number, feel free to text us. Um, I don't have my phone on me. You got but your iPad though. I've got my iPad, and if that fails, my wife it'll pop up on my computer over there, and she'll let me know. Um, so it'll be faster to text him if you got his number, or you can text me because uh, we get that sometimes we have questions, but we don't want our name attached to the question out there in a public setting, and and that is that is fine. Um, 
And if it's something, I mean, we'll, we'll just be honest. If we don't have answers or if we're not comfortable going there, we'll just let you know. But we're going to be as forthright, forthright as we can. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's important to, uh, you know, we, we talked about this. It, it's important to be uncomfortable with this topic. Um, you know, w- when we when we talked about it, because it was kind of on short notice, you've been yeah. on vacation yeah. uh, when everything kind of uh, erupted. <laughs> yeah, it was and literally while I was driving. I was watching, I was on social media and just kind of watching all of this unfold. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we had talked about it like it's really short notice to um, contact any of our African-American friends to to be on. Not to mention that we didn't want anybody to feel like they were the token uh, African-American friend that had to come on and give an opinion um, on short notice. Um, and the other thing to, you know, to, to really keep in mind, too, is like uh, we as white people have to educate ourselves. Right. Mm. Like. Yes, you know, I, I even posted the other day, like, uh, to my white friends and white family and, and said, hey, uh, it's important that you, you know, humble yourself to listen to people of color, listen to their experiences, listen to their pain, their anguish, their frustration, uh, their hurts, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that they are responsible for teaching us about racism. You know, Mm -hmm. and the current climate that uh, that we are going through as a country uh, on the current events, it is on us to do our own research, to read, to listen, uh, uh, to podcast, to watch uh, videos and interviews and, you know, all the different. There are so many materials out there, Mm. um, you know, from people who are much more educated on this topic than you and I. Yes. uh, Yes. You know, please read them. I mean. I, I've 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 done some studying on my own through uh, seminary. Uh, I had taken a class. Um, I've done personal study time, uh, but as you mentioned, Josh, like I am by no means an expert. Everybody, uh, I have a lot to learn. Um, there's a lot that uh, I am still allowing the Holy Spirit to work on my heart, mm-hmm. um, because I, I want to enter into the conversation humbly. Uh, I want to enter into the conversation uh, with that posture of listening to understand mm-hmm. rather than or in, in, and when I'm saying listening, I mean, listening to authors, listening to friends, listening to, you know, public figures. Um, so it's not just in this conversation here tonight, but uh, listening to understand rather than listening to defend mm-hmm. or listening to have a comeback or yeah uh you know well that's that's one of the things they teach us uh with um in pastoral counseling and and, uh entering into relationships is um active listening where you know you you are fully engaged in what is being said and and the conversation that's happening um and and one of the biggest pieces to being fully engaged is not listening or, or just waiting for your turn to, to rebuttal or your turn to right. say your piece. Um, and, and I think that that's a, 
for both good and bad, we we can have that tendency as as human beings. Like either we we have something that we want to add, either our own story or our own experience, and and we become so focused on okay, how am I going to say that? How am I going to present that? I think that's going to be that's going to really fit in this conversation that we've forgotten to now continue to listen to who's talking to everything. To that person said something that I'm not sure I agree with or that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think, okay, what's my rebuttal? What's my what's my defense? How do I how do I try to to change this person's mind? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to uh, uh, any conversation where we are hearing somebody else's story and someone else's experience that honestly we don't have shared experience with, right? Um, we have to be really careful to, about how we bring our own biases, how we bring our own viewpoint, um, our own, even our own, our own culture and um, uh, cultural way of thinking. It, it reminds me in a lot of ways of of exegeting scripture. You know, where you've got when you read scripture, you have to set aside um, some the 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 back the personal baggage that you carry into the passage. Yeah. Um, and and really try to approach it from with fresh eyes of okay. Um, who is this person and who are they talking to? And, and I think a lot of ways when we exegete culture, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, the same, it's the same skill set. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, as you were talking, I was thinking, um, and I don't know why, what you said, <laughs> what made me think of this, but, uh, you know, we as men, yeah. Um, will never understand what our wives have done through childbirth, <laughs> right? Like, yes. It's like that episode of Friends when Rachel is giving birth to Emma, and Ross like slips and hits his head on the on the on the bed. Okay. And he pops up and, he's, and she's like in extreme pain because yeah. she's pushing. Yeah. And he pops up and he's like, oh, "You have no idea how much this hurts." <laughs> yeah. And she like looks at him like, "I'm, I'm gonna kill you right now." Right? Yes. Um, yeah. We we can. You know, know our wives, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't know. They can tell us all they want, right, Erica? You can tell us all you want about how much pain you went through in childbirth. Mm-hmm. But even even getting kicked in the genitalia. <laughs> can I say that? You can. Online? I mean, we can. We say, just, I just I, did. You could say, and we don't I have mean, we don't have the FCC. Do we go to the, the um, full blown like crotch shot? <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> um, but. For real, like we 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 will never understand. Like mm-hmm. getting kicked, it hurts. But I will never understand a bowling ball coming out of that area, <laughs> right? Like I just won't. Your you wife know? says lots of hurt. Lots of hurt. You yeah. know, uh, you know, and that's even like, <sighs> you know, she had epidural the first time, and the second birth, you know, she didn't have time for mm-hmm. epidural. But you know, so. We just we just won't understand, right? And so mm-hmm. we can listen to him. They can tell us a story about how bad it hurt, uh, but we will never physically understand the pain they went through. And that's that's you know I don't want to minimize, right? I'm not trying mm-hmm. to use that example as a as a way to minimize, but like we will never fully as two white guys, we mm-hmm. will never fully understand uh, what our African American friends have gone through, our Hispanic friends have gone through. Uh, Asian American friends have gone through. We just, we just won't. I mean, yeah. As much as, as much as we try, we just will never fully get it. And, and that one of the beautiful things about about empathy is that it, you can still have uh, a deep and genuine empathy without 
the shared experience or the full understanding, mm-hmm. right? But it does require approaching with humility. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that one of the one of the starts to empathy is humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are times, and I know I've been guilty of it in my own past, where I didn't have the humility to set aside some of my own preconceived notions on on how the world worked and how society and culture worked um, to have all the empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I grew up in a, a, a very um, positive, you know, racially positive, uh, socially positive household, right? My, um, my parents, I have awesome parents who firmly believe in... Um, in seeing unity in all of humanity, um, the the family that we grew up closest to had uh, two adopted uh, two adopted black kids who um, they were our closest friends. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of um, racial integration, I guess, was not unusual to me. It wasn't foreign to me. Um, but we also have talked about how growing, I grew up in, in Rapid City, which has a very low um, African-American population, mm-hmm. right? Very, very low. And, and when there, there is an African-American population, it was typically people who were working kind of white collar jobs who had transferred in or, or people who were military because I live next to an Air Force base. Right. Um, and so they were respected members of the of of the of society right like mm-hmm. there was um they by just by their work they were adding a high a high perception of value to the rapid city culture mm-hmm. um but where i grew up at if you wanted to talk about a minority group that was dealing with with racial issues you know that was the the Native American population right. and the Lakota Sioux, um, growing up around and and uh, the, especially the high school I went to that was highly contentious. Mm-hmm. I mean there was um, uh, a, a large ranching culture mm-hmm. um, and a large um, culture from the Pine Ridge Reservation, right? Uh, and though those two groups would clash um, a lot and. I've had to I've had to check some of my own thoughts and biases as I've gotten older and become become more self aware and begin thinking about things about okay what have I carried just from from living in Rapid City which I love living in Rapid City um, but every I mean every community has its its own issues mm-hmm. and um, you know we talked about wounded knee was not that long ago was that right. 19, 1901? Or 1899. All of a sudden, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. He said 1901 this morning. I did. And now all of a sudden, I'm going, wait, is it 1899? <laughs> now that you're It's within... What? 1890. 1890. Oh, I'm off by 10 years. Okay. But it, still, 1890 is not that long ago. It sounds talking, like a long time ago. I mean, it sounds like a long time ago, but it's three generations. 100, yeah, 130 years ago, you could, especially in an oral culture like Native Americans, uh, 130 years ago wasn't that long ago. No. You could have you could have an elder in your community whose father or family was at you know was present yeah. in that area. Like a, basically, like a great grandparent. Yeah, was there, and so it's not that long yeah. ago, right? Um, 
And I think there's a there is a tendency in fast paced Western culture to kind of think that anything that's older than, you know, 10 years old is old news. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cultures, and and especially when you're dealing with deeply painful right. um, uh, experiences, hundred years is not that long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, we we see people all the time that live to be a hundred and two, a hundred and five, a hundred and ten years old, and we we are yeah. So uh, 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 it's just. It's a reminder for me, and and yeah. it, I've got to be. Um, I just have to remember that that um, there is a long heritage and and in history, um, and there are there are. I don't know a lot of these issues that uh, we see in our country when it comes to a family tree or a family line are not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we were, you know, we were kind of talking um, this morning uh, about, you know, we tend to, um, I mean, rightfully so, we glorify Martin Luther King Jr., right? And the progress he made. Um, However, uh, in his time, he was not as appreciated as we like to make him out to be, right? Um, Yeah. We like to throw out his quotes on social media, especially on his birthday. You know, uh, we like to throw out his quotes anytime racial tensions arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to share his pictures of marching, right? And everything looks peaceful and friendly. And, you know, it all went well and nothing went wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but in, in 1964, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two years later... There was a study done, and 66% of Americans didn't approve of him, hmm. did not approve of Martin Luther King Jr. Now, part of that was, and we, we talked about this this morning over coffee, uh, uh, part of that was, you know, he took uh, the issues that were present in the South, and he started moving north. And when he started moving north, suddenly he started getting into that territory where he's bumping up against us and it wasn't just as um it wasn't all about uh segregation now you know it started to become about uh people in poverty it started to become about um systemic issues Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and by 1966 he was not well liked right he was not well liked and in regards to uh his marches you know a lot of those pictures we see you know minutes later they they were having rocks thrown at them. They were being beaten. They mm-hmm. were uh, having dogs. Well, and you were, them, you know, like go ahead. What were no, you I say you were telling me about a, a popular post on Facebook about like um, this is what this is what protesting should look like. Right, is essentially. Yeah. And and you were telling me how that picture looks great, but just a couple minutes later, that peaceful protest had been you know attacked or um had well yeah like the cops the cops were in there beating them with batons and uh mm, they had dogs they had the dogs sicked on them you know they had uh uh they had white people throwing rocks at them and i mean it was you know if we go back and we look at that like 
Yeah, we like to look at the pictures where everything looked good. You know, we mm-hmm. like to, you know, and, and we like to think ourselves, well, if I lived back then, I'd be on Martin Luther King Jr.'s mm-hmm. side, right? But 66% of Americans were not on his side, so statistically... I may not have been on his side. I like I like to feel good about myself, so I like to say yes. I definitely be on his side, right? We all I, do. Well, we it's all like this, do. we do the same thing with Jesus, right? Like, yeah, Jesus on the cross. I wouldn't have abandoned him, but Peter said the same thing, and he, <laughs> he ran did. away. And Peter was his closest disciple, right, or one of his closest disciples. So, but we like to say that stuff so we can feel good about ourselves. But in reality, we can't put ourselves back sixty years ago, you and I, mm-hmm. and we we can't positively say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would have definitely, I like to believe I would have been on his side. I love to believe I would have been on his side. Mm-hmm. Would I have been? I don't know. I, I, that's hard to say, right? I mean, that's, that's, that, that's a hard phrase to mutter because I want to be on his side. You know? Well, and so much of how we, we all carry um, a preconceived ideology mm-hmm. from our, our families. Right. Right. And I think about my family. Um, so like Erica can go 60 years ago, like your family just gotten here. Not, you know, oh, really? <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, German, German immigrants. And uh, am I getting this right? OK, she's she's giving me funny looks. Um, <laughs> I come from a old Scottish family that has been in the U.S. since the 1700s. Right. And uh, it's actually funny. Eric is watching a show right now that talks about some of that. It like takes place. And, um, and you know, the Scottish people had their tartans taken away and they weren't allowed to speak um, Gaelic. And uh, uh, so uh, anyways, but um, yeah, the reality is coming from a family that spent most of its time on the coastal south uh, and has been here since the 1700s. I'd love to say that I would have been on Martin Luther's side, but knowing yeah. family of origin, I mean, I don't know what my family was, where they stood but, on those issues that long ago. And I should, I, like you I wish I could have asked my did. granddad, but yeah. uh, he passed away last year and I right. should have asked him that. Yeah. Like, you know where your parents stand. We both know yes. where your parents stand. Yeah. Right? We, we know that. My mom, saying that my mom was like, uh, she, she treats everybody the way she wants to be treated, right? And she she imparted that on me and my sister. Um, however, there were times, man, where I heard my dad use the N-word. I heard, you know, he had mm. conversations with me, especially when I first started going to Mexico with Casas Percriso, and he was like, you know, they just kill whiteies down there, right? And it's like, mm. oh, dad, like, no, that's not all they do. You know, like, actually, statistically, I'm probably less likely to be shot down there than I am in Chicago, you know? Um, yeah, well, yeah. But, but or or uh, yeah. Anyway, so you know he, he there was some there were some things there that I remember like my dad saying that were very upsetting. Now before he passed away, him and I had had conversations where he had repented. Now he was not a Christian believer, but he repented to me. He confessed his sins to me. And was like, Kellen, I've had a change of heart because he he ended up getting a job with the railroad where he worked with many different minorities. And in fact, he was the minority within his employer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Kellen, I had them all wrong. All my preconceived notions were wrong. Mm-hmm. But, right, you're going back, go back through the lineage, right? Mm-hmm. His dad was racist. 
Mm. Right. So where did he pick it up? He had to pick it up from somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, but you know, I, I do remember. I remember that conversation very vividly with my dad, and he was like wrecked, you know. Mm. Um, so I mean, well, that's really the yeah. best place for us to find ourselves is to identify to identify those those issues that we have carried with us those um, whether that that be outright racism or. Um, uh, some biases against um, people groups, and even if it's subconscious to a, to a very real, but to identify those things and then be wrecked by it, mm-hmm. you know, and go, okay, I, I there there's something that I need I need to to repent of um, because I mean, when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not uh, is not white America, right. right? The kingdom of God is not. Um, it's it's all peoples of 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 all nations right mm-hmm. um and for us to not desire to see unity among all people groups here in this lifetime is not to follow the calling that God has put on us mm-hmm. right you know the the great commission of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth includes all the ends of the earth uh you my your kingdom come your will be done right well god's kingdom looks like all people groups yeah so we should be desiring to see unity among all people groups uh, especially within the church um as you know sons and daughters of the king but i think sometimes we can get caught up in in the division instead mm-hmm. um and that, that that should wreck us. Yeah. Well, it, you know, you had kind of touched a little bit on um, like explicit racism mm. and implicit biases, right? Yeah. Explicit bias, implicit bias. Um, explicitly, I don't think I know very many racists, right? Explicit bias with, or explicit racism, what that is, is like, you know, you're part of the KKK, a neo-Nazi group, or you just openly spout hate for other people based on their race right Mm -hmm. um whether they're jew they're black they're hispanic you know whatever right um that's explicit bias right um and going back to that uncomfortable conversation right or that walking into that uncomfortableness for those of you if you weren't on at the beginning obviously josh and i are having a difficult conversation especially as two white guys um (laughs) but uh we are uh, humbly stepping into this conversation. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening, feel free to comment questions. Uh, as Josh mentioned at the, at the beginning when he kicked off, uh, if if it's something where you don't want to post publicly, feel free to text me uh, or text Josh and Erica can relay the message. But um, so anyway, I, I just want to mention that because I don't know people jump in and out all the time on these mm. things. But with with explicit bias, you know, um, most people aren't explicitly, I don't think, racist anymore, right? Now, there are implicit biases. And what that is, in the implicit bias is where we don't realize our own, um, our own biases, our own, mm-hmm. uh, our own, uh, they're almost like subconscious notions right like we talked about growing you know growing up in south dakota mm-hmm. um if you in south dakota 
if you're talking to somebody and they have their eyes closed and you start talking about somebody in poverty, generally speaking, they will probably think of a Native American, especially if they were born and raised in South Dakota, because the Native American population uh, statistically deal with poverty far beyond and most you have, people groups. You have places like like Pine Ridge, and, Pine Ridge, which um, is like one of the poorest it's counties, the poorest county, yeah, um, in the U.S. Okay, and, I didn't know if it was the poorest, but yeah, I knew. Pretty, it was, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure. I think you're right. You're, I think you're right. But that that doesn't mean all Native Americans are in poverty, right? That is no. an implicit bias, whether you realize mm-hmm. it or not. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. Uh, you're not consciously, you know, making a choice. It is uh, an implicit, it is a subconscious thought that you think of when you hear the term, you know, if you hear a family living in poverty, especially in South Dakota, you're going to think Native American. Now there's parts of the United States where they would not think of a Native American first. They're going to think of an African-American. They're going to think maybe of a Hispanic. Um, and let's be fair. I mean, there is even still places where, uh, well, no, you were talking about, you were talking about the, with the date that shifted. Not Yeah, about 1964, yeah. it shifted. Pre-1964, if you would have talked about a person in poverty or a family in poverty, you probably would have thought, statistically, like there was a study that was done in one of the books I was reading, you probably would have thought of a white family. Mm-hmm. When you thought of poverty, now about 1964, 1965, it started to shift, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, kind of what we're talking about now, right? Um, but yeah, implicit biases. Uh, so this book, um, I don't want to add another white voice, <laughs> but <laughs> this guy super knowledgeable, um, and for anybody who is white who is starting to enter into exploring this this topic mm-hmm. i would recommend this book it's called the myth of equality by ken weitzma um because it, it it's just it's full of so much information in history that helps make a lot of sense of where we're at today mm-hmm. but he says of uh implicit bias so to define it right he says implicit bias refers to the attitudes or stereotypes affecting our understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. He said. He goes on to say, implicit biases include not only the implicit memories we have, but also the shortcuts our brains have made in determining what things should elicit a, f- a fight response or a flight response. So if a person is socialized to connect fear with brown or black bodies, then they will have a strong implicit racial bias AKA reaction when they see a brown or black body in an unfamiliar setting. Um, so that's kind of what implicit biases are. You know, we had also kind of used in, in our conversation uh, earlier off camera, like if, if you're thinking of, you know, uh, someone holding up a, a gas station, Generally speaking, people don't think of a white person. When they had done studies with they had that, done right? studies where, where this guy had done studies with that with a psychology in, professor. Yeah, right? in the in the group of of uh, students or, or whoever was in that study that yeah, um, even even uh, the minorities represented in that study, it was almost never a, a white person. Right, it was <laughs> who, was, ne- who was they almost imagined. never thought. Yeah, they almost never imagined a white person. They'd almost always imagined uh, a, a black or brown person holding up the gas station mm-hmm. or whatever the and if that's was. you know if that's a common ah, it's yeah anyways yeah so i mean I, I this is one book i have 
you know a few different books that i have but some of them are on audible you know stuff like that there's there's a ton of resources out there now that have a list you know and i've, I've seen mm-hmm. some of them going around social media this week mm-hmm. that will give you a list of uh of black or brown authors uh speaking on this topic and that's where we started the conversation right like mm-hmm. right at the beginning was entering into it with a humble posture of listening uh with empathy listening with understanding um to try to understand better what's going on that's not because i want to make you feel like a crappy human being um it's actually because i want you to be a better human being right <laughs> um like i i i just I, I really struggle with you know when we are oh how do i want to phrase it? like the ignorance is bliss Right. Well, I I don't want to enter into that because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to. I'd rather Mm -hmm. just remain ignorant to the topic because I treat people well. I try to treat people nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we throw around the phrase, you know, well, all people matter. All, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, well, that's something kind of ties into what Heather uh, commented. It says I was I was unintentionally taught to be silent. And it wasn't until this year Ah, how not okay that is. I was taught to love everyone, but never taught to speak up where sometimes it's not even it's not even bliss. It's just like we're taught it's not something we, we should talk about. Right. It's not polite conversation. You know, yeah. that's too much the religion, money, and politics. Like, oh, we don't talk about those things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, we we said this at the beginning, like, we're kind of on an unscripted conversation right now. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked a little bit this morning, like, if okay, you can't tell, Kellen and I are a little scared to be doing this on camera. <laughs> um, that's all right, though. I mean, but we, we, we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We know right. our heart. We know where our hearts are at, yeah. And we know where God is shaping us and growing us, uh, and that we're not we're not there, right? right? I mean, we are. Um, we both made at the beginning of the call or at the beginning of the the podcast. We've got a lot to learn. We always yes, we have a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like uh, uh, you know when oh um, Eugene Peterson talks about what discipleship looks like and becoming mm-hmm. more Christ like. It's a. Um, um, Oh, now I'm going to, I just had the quote, but it's a consistent, consistent action in like the same direction or, oh, um, yeah. anyways, I've heard the quote. I know. What, yeah, what I know. The, I just had it in my head and now it's yeah. gone. If someone yeah. knows it, post it below the Eugene Peterson quote. I actually think it's a title of a book he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, we know that we are trending, um, towards wanting to see, you know, basically, I mean, the, the kingdom of God unified, mm-hmm. uh, and which means, okay, how do we see that reflected in society? How do we see that reflected in, in um, our churches? How do we see that reflected in our, our leadership and yeah. the voices that speak into our church? Well, and even like our denomination, right? The Wesleyan denomination, we've had this conversation kind of before yeah. this stuff started happening. Um, but, you know, well, you're you're kind of, you're better at the historical part so of our denomination. We, so back with abolition, when we split yeah. off from the Methodists, we were abolitionists. Orange Scott, right, yep. and 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 his his crew, right. They, um, we split off of the Methodist Church because we were abolitionists, and yeah. and the Methodist Church wasn't having it, and so we formed uh, the Methodist Wesleyan Connection, mm-hmm. right, uh, which came the Methodist Wesleyan Church, and um, and so we as a denomination have our roots and social activism and standing up for people for the rights of humanity right. and we and like to champion the fact we that we love were. to champion that fact yeah. you know we yeah. we had uh the orange movement for a while yeah. like we had t-shirts uh, i think one of the colleges put those out and oh, then geez. uh <laughs> and then we had we were the first 
um, denomination to ordain a woman in North yeah. America, right? And we we hosted the first women's suffrage meeting at a Wesleyan church, right? right? And like we love to champion we, that, we love to stand on that soapbox, rally behind we're that, so good. And, and our social activism, and we were always the 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 church that stood on the other side of the tracks for the disenfranchised, regardless of who they were or what their background was. And then you know? civil rights, and then civil rights happened, and all of a sudden, Wesleyan church disappeared. Yeah. And we went quiet. We don't like to talk about that. We don't talk about uh, and, and with the uh, even uh, Native American ministry. Yeah. We, not only were we silent, we had some just outright abuses mm. uh, with some of our, our early schools and early missionary efforts. Oh, yeah. Um, we kind of bought into the white Christian Kool-Aid a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a denomination, that has grieved us deeply, yeah. especially in the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. Where... The voices that have been talking about, okay, we love we love the Wesleyan Church and we love the direction, but you haven't dealt with the wound in the past yet. Yeah, we're finally being heard and being recognized to where we've had multiple DSs um, offer apologies and begin work towards um, reunifying and and trying to to as best rectify um, the hurts that we we, well, we were either directly or indirectly part of well where i where i came along in the the historical historical lineage of the wesleyan church was uh joanne lyon mm-hmm. uh oh. general superintendent right who's an and amazing little woman. plug if you are not familiar with the work of joanne lyon <laughs> dr joanne uh, lyon, dr yeah. joanne lyon she was a uh, former ds of the wesleyan church uh ds is or gs she was so like head of head of um our denomination her writing is is fantastic. She's an amazing person. Uh, and if you can find a video of her speaking, I would highly recommend uh, watching that because yeah. she is just passionate um, about all things like bringing humanity closer to God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then and then uh, do I say is it said her successor? Yeah, yeah. her successor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, wait, that doesn't is that right? That yes. doesn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wayne Schmidt, mm-hmm. who's an amazing man. To, and what I've really appreciated in my wife, because we, you know, until I started going to seminary, I didn't know some of this historical stuff, mm, you know, yeah. um, which is why I said you're better at it than I, because I'm, <laughs> you know, I took a couple classes in I've just had longer to digest it. You have, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but at least with our, our two general superintendents, you know, my wife and I have both uh, just been thoroughly impressed with their leadership, uh, their humility. But their willingness to speak into difficult conversations with grace mm. um, is just something that that has blown us away. Um, and they're they're not afraid to step into that stuff. They're not afraid to step into those murky waters mm-hmm. uh, and get their hands dirty and have these difficult conversations. And um, mm. and I think what I've been seeing, and I don't know if you can speak to this too, but like what I've been seeing over the last week or so is um, more. Uh, Wesleyan pastors, uh, more white Wesleyan pastors that you know that uh, that have finally started to speak up. Um, they, uh, it, some of my professors uh, at Wesley Seminary, um, and part of that comes from the leadership at the top. Mm-hmm. Where if we see our leadership, Wayne Schmidt, not afraid to step into these uh, difficult conversations, into these difficult topics uh, going on in our culture, uh, in our country, then. Then it's, I don't, 
I mean, I don't want to say it's easier to follow suit, but it is. It's it easier is. to follow a it good is. leader you like that. You know right? that you are on the, the right track. And there's a there's a, a very real reality where we would all love to say, well, I would make the right decision regardless. Oh, yeah. Like what we were just talking about, yeah. right? And, and yeah. I'd love to say that, but yet until the, this current moment in culture, my voice has been silent on this issue. Mm. I go, you know what? That is... Uh, that, that is um, not my area to champion. I don't have any experience in that. That's not necessarily my ministry focus. What, whatever you can talk yourself out of it, even if you agree right. with it. You're like, well, I don't. I don't need to throw my voice into the fray. Right. And um, I think a lot of uh, we we in ministry can be guilty of it. It's like if Wayne had not, um, if Wayne Smith had not posted that that letter. How many of us, and, and even myself, I think a little bit, would be like, mm, should I say something? Should I not? Right. You know, we look well, for confirmation that we are stepping in the right, we're making the right moves. Well, and let's admit, right? Like, controversial subjects on Facebook or Twitter or. Oh, they devolve into. Bad, right? They, oh, go, they go downhill fast. And mm-hmm. so, a lot of us as pastors, not even just in the Westland denomination, but a lot of us as pastors, Try our best <laughs> to avoid getting into getting into those topics on mm-hmm. Facebook because tone in the text can get lost so fast, so quickly. Right? You have um, you've got you to labor over word, those words. You, oh man! Like I I, I posted um, uh, or my wife had posted something, and uh, a friend of ours had responded, and I typed a response and didn't hit send, and I'm glad I didn't. And I had to do that I've four there, times man. because I, I typed it out angrily and I was like, nope, not yet. I waited till the next morning, typed it out, still angry. I'm like, nope, not yet. It typed it out again. And I'm like, I did that four mm. times. And then finally I was like, you know what? I was like, here's the deal. I said, let's, you know, let's do this. And uh, him and I had a, uh, a good conversation through uh, Facebook Messenger. Okay. Um, Some back and forth. And he's, least. yeah. and it, But it was all. If I would have posted that in the comment section, mm-hmm. it's like I'm calling him out publicly. Yeah. Right? Well, I think people forget that, especially in the comment section, is like, that's not just directed. There's a difference between, uh, like, if my wife and I have a fight. Yeah. If we have a fight in our living room, and especially if the kids are, like, in bed, um, that is very much like me and her engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very different than if we have it in the grocery store aisle. Oh, yeah. Right. Then you got everybody. We got people an People are pulling out their phones to record you. <laughs> no, we yeah. haven't had that happen. No, I, I don't know. Have. I don't know how you think my fights are going. No, not well, with you guys specifically. But, but yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But people definitely would do that in public if they yeah. saw you two fighting uh, or my, and, me and my And all of a sudden, you, you have words that you were feeling in the moment. Yeah. But probably are not an accurate representation of your true feelings on the topic. Right. And now they're memorialized. Yeah. <laughs> out yeah. there in yeah. print for everyone to see. Yeah. So I, I think having Wayne uh put that out, mm-hmm. like that that I don't want to say green lit things for the Westland pastors, but it definitely helped. It's permission it it, giving. It, 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 it was permission giving. It was going, mm-hmm. okay, guys, like, not, or sorry, not just guys, sorry. Okay, <laughs> okay, everybody, 
This is how we do that. Sorry, I didn't mean to say guys. I was using guys in a general term. Sorry. We're from the Midwest. That's what we do. We say guys all the time. I refer to, <laughs> I, I texted a friend today, a female friend, just to, uh, uh, who I work with, who's mm-hmm. also very much into this, uh, into the movement right now. And um, somebody who I've taken some of my cues from mm. when she's been posting. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, dude. You wouldn't believe. Why am I calling her a dude? Because I'm from South Dakota and I call <laughs> dude is just a general term. But anyway, yeah. sorry. But yes, he, you know, he kind of gave that green light for for people, and and even that, like some of our, you know, uh, some of the mentors in our life that I also saw them uh, put out either conversations uh, where they had recorded similar mm-hmm. uh, similar stuff or um, had made posts, and so mm-hmm. you know that helps. You know, go okay, this is. This is something we should be doing when it's coming from the top down. Um, now, granted, you know, we shouldn't need that on a topic like this, mm-hmm. but uh, it definitely well, it definitely helps you in know, my own thinking when you wade into those waters. But. I make it a point to not post things that are, are politically driven. Well, let's be honest. Either, you're not on Facebook very much. Anyway. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I, I don't I've never found social media to be that gratifying in my life. So it's it's. Yeah. I don't get that like serotonin hit that people get from from posting, so yeah. I it not hasn't been important to me. Right. Um, but <laughs> even regardless of that, um, I, I make it a point to not post or engage in politically driven conversations on either my personal Facebook page and certainly not gathering two awaits yeah. page. Yeah. Um, and if I think about what is going on in our world right now as a political issue i would not talk about it oh I see. yeah yeah but as soon as my thinking switched to going this is not a political issue this, this is, is a human, human issue. issue yeah uh and we are we are seeing real hurting people right um Regardless of what we think about their background or how we got to this place, there are people who are uh, are being hurt mm-hmm. in this uh, right now. Um, then we go, okay, yeah, we got to step into this. And I think that's something that happens a lot is is an issue that is a human issue gets politicized, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, can't touch that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Um, Let's talk a little bit about. Well, you brought some books here. So uh, I thought I had a text. I wasn't. No, no. Let, yeah, you're good. Let's uh, let's throw up some of some of so, what you would recommend. The uh, the Kellen Hackett recommended reading. Oh man, that's terrible. Oh, I shouldn't uh, have promoted it that way. <laughs> the books that he happened to grab on his way over. I mean, there. Yeah, like I said, I have some more at home, and these are ones that you know maybe we can. And I'm going to borrow some of them from you because, I, like I said at the beginning of this, I have not done enough reading on yeah. this. Well. And, we can have Erica put some of these and maybe even, uh, I saw someone, I'll see if I can find it again. Someone had posted a, um, there's been a couple different things. There was like a Google doc. I've seen multiple people post. Um, there was, uh, another one where it was just like, um, I don't, I don't know if I'd call them screen grabs or whatever you'd call it, but there was one thumbnails. Thumbnails. There you go. Thank you. Uh, thumbnail where it was like, here's 15 books. Here's 15 podcasts. Here's 15 videos. Here, you know, and so on. Um, so those are those all have great resources. Some of them include some of these books. Uh, some of them don't. Um, this one uh, wrecked me. Uh, this one is called "The Cross and the Lynching Tree" uh, oh. by James Cone. 
Um, you I were read, telling me about this book a couple months ago. So I was reading this one in uh, at BioLife. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever donated plasma, but when you're crying in your chair, <laughs> like you get some, the nurse looks at you funny. You get some looks. You get some looks. Um, and I couldn't blame this one on. Uh, I couldn't blame this mm. one on uh, allergies, but this one uh, has been a book that I have gone back to quite a bit. I mean, I've had it. You know, a couple this, years. This is the one that has the uh, the county colon poem in it, right? Yes, it's got a, a um, county colon poem in there. I've got um, a. I have a, a, a love of uh, county colon. If you yeah. haven't if you haven't read his poetry before, he's a Harlem Renaissance uh, poet. That is, uh, I was introduced to in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's so many. There's so many highlights I have in this mm. book that. It's crazy, but that one. Did you finish that huge. one? Yeah, I finished this one a couple times. I'm just gonna borrow that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. Uh, that's another really good one. Um, this one uh, is kind of crazy. It doesn't look that long. You know, it's kind of thin. Yeah, but it is heavy. Like, mm. you know, I'd get through a few paragraphs and I would have to chew on, you know, what he was saying. So that um, one's only about a hundred pages. Yeah, it's, yeah, 100, 109 pages or something like that. So, um, but yeah, he talks about yeah. I don't know, another good one. Kathy's um, warning me not to fold your pages. Don't worry. Don't don't I fold. Don't I I dog don't, ear pages. I don't like to uh, to borrow loan your out, books. I know loan out my books. I know or, that's why I did it on camera because you can't say no to me. Or right loan now. out uh, DVDs <laughs> stuff like that. I don't. I, yeah, I'm weird. Um, Wide Awake, An Honest Look at What It Means to Be White uh, by Daniel Hill. Uh, that's another good one. Um, Prophetic Lament. Uh, this was one that I had actually quoted last night after our uh, after we went to the um, uh, Black Lives Candlelight Vigil mm. uh, here in town, which I don't know if you we saw We should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, too, we should quick. Um, or maybe not quick. It, it deserves more than quick. But... Um, I think I saw uh, a post by the Boise Police Department. It was five thousand, roughly five thousand. They obviously don't have a head count, but like yeah. roughly five thousand people showed up on our Capitol Mall uh, just to spend an hour and a half. Um, there was a, a spoken word uh, time mm-hmm. of spoken word. There was uh, a couple of a uh, couple of women who uh, gave some speeches, mm-hmm. and then they read through uh, a list of names of. of uh, black and brown men and women that have been murdered um, and not all at the hands of police just mm-hmm. uh, some of it was just uh, in in but unjustified unjustified you know, yeah thank you yeah um, um, unjustly murdered and you know they you know what I liked it, I mean there was there were Christians there I know there were atheists there there were agnostics uh, I'm sure there were multiple different. Mm-hmm. Uh, religions that were there and they gave that opportunity they said look take your posture however you want to take it pray however you want to pray or take this moment just to be silent and then it was a read and response where you know they would say Trayvon Martin they, and then we would respond by saying his mm-hmm. name and then they would give a few uh, what about 10 seconds in between uh, for you just to rest in that moment um, incredibly powerful uh incredibly powerful to see that many people come together um to recognize the moment mm-hmm. um that are and, and really it's a moment our, our country's been building to for hundreds of years but anyway mm-hmm. super powerful moment but um 
so this book, Prophetic Lament by Soong Chan Ra, uh, goes through the book of uh, Lamentations and um, just talks about uh, what, you know, has gone on, um, kind of using that as kind of a backdrop to stuff. And then lamenting and properly lamenting the tragedies that go on in our country you know it's something where we don't like to take that posture of lament we like to skip over that book you know um yeah it, we, it, it is a it is a uh we we and this is a little off topic but we've talked about um language like uh season of winter like mm-hmm. spiritual seasons of winter. oh yeah and where they are the some of the hardest times spiritually, and which then reflects into some of the hardest times emotional, emotionally and relationally in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and lamenting happens in those times of winter. And so you've almost you've got to put yourself in this emotional and spiritual time of, of winter to approach those kinds of things. Right. But what comes out on the other side is is so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good, man. So this is another good one. Um, Obviously, mentioned this one earlier. Myth of equality, uncovering the roots of injustice and privilege. Um, this one coming from South Dakota was recommended to me by a friend of ours, mm. uh, Jared Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, rescuing the gospel from the cowboys, a Native American expression of the Jesus way, mm. uh, written by a Native American man. Um, that book was amazing. That book was heavy too. A lot of them are heavy. Uh, well, yeah, they're all, I mean, I it's the know. topic, right? I, <laughs> it should kind of go unsaid, but I keep saying it. For this now. isn't this isn't like sit down and read all of these books in succession. You're not. I don't like, think you're bringing, give yourself a break. You're not bringing between. these to the beach. Um, <laughs> that's a heavy read for the beach. Um, but uh, and then one of my favorite authors, John Perkins. Uh, I've got a few of his books. Another one I didn't uh, didn't bring is called Let Justice Roll Down. Um, this book's called Dream With Me, um, Race, Love, and the Struggle We Must Win. Um, amazing man, him and his wife, amazing. Um, got another book of his called Making Neighborhoods Whole. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are just mm. a few. Um, there's... Oh, man, I don't want to butcher it because you talked about this. Don't, don't vamp. Don't vamp. Um... My Angelou, uh, I guess when the songbird sings. There you go. Thank you. I knew I shouldn't have vamped. Erica knew it. You're good. You're covered. See, I'm not good unless I've got in front of me. But that's one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many different books. Like, really, all it takes is uh, a little bit of effort to find these. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, some of them were recommended to me by by friends or professors or whatever. But and um, like Erica said in the comments, uh, we will post a, a list of, of these books in particular uh, on Facebook and Instagram um, yeah. for you guys to, to pull, pull back from. Um, we might do a suggested reading page on the actual website, but I'm not going to make any promises about that um, at this moment. But because um, we're still restructuring some things with the website. So, oh, yeah. but, uh, you know, reading is, is I think, uh, it's a great starting point. I mean, first recognizing that there are things that we need to understand, right? And and there are viewpoints in the world beyond our own experience that we need to be introduced to, mm-hmm. right? In all things, we should always, we should, whether you agree or not, and, and I'm not just talking about race issues, I'm talking about everything. Um, we should always, we should always expose ourselves to a viewpoint that's different than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
so reading is a great way to do that. Podcasts are a great way to do that, being part of the conversation. Uh, but that's a great starting point. And, and one of the things I think um, we have to remember is that, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and being supportive are, are are great, but it needs to lead to to action. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that Eric and I talked about on the car ride back because we were wow. driving across country. Right, was just when um, you're driving through the mountains where internet. Is, yeah, it's like you can't even yeah. listen to Spotify because the no. internet is so awful. So we, you know, thoughts and prayers have to lead to action. And so I was I was kind of thinking on that because um, one of our one of our core values is just being action oriented people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was that was. Um, stated at the event last last night with the uh, the the vigil mm-hmm. right he said you know this has been a great moment for us to reflect uh, yeah. and and to pray and to um uh to find unity as you know 5000 plus people gathered together mm-hmm. but that's got to lead to action so yeah. you know reading and educating and and finding those viewpoints is a great way to start that but what else are we going to do yeah and that's probably where I want us to um, to take this, and then we're gonna we're gonna end uh, with, with just some with some prayer. Um, but I know that uh, as churches, a lot of times we we look at our world and, and we can go, "Man, I don't have the diversity I would like to see." So how do I even have that on my? How do I have a diverse range of voices on my leadership team mm. or reflected in my church? And um, you know that's that's one of the reasons like like gathering to await experiences that right like let's be honest gathering to await is pretty white <laughs> right what do you mean I mean <laughs> it's pretty white uh, now you mean you know we even could... my folk music <laughs> <laughs> so you know we drive Uber I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far here so I'll, I'll keep it short but i was driving uber one night and these girls got in it was their birthday part one of the girls is like her 30th birthday or whatever. okay and they're already you know been having a lot of fun if you know what i mean right they've already been having a good time and they get in and i'm just talking to them and uh finally the girl whose birthday it is she's like hey what music do you listen to and i'm listening if you get a chance he's a christian like folk artist from new zealand <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'd been listening okay. to. And in Boise, like you, it's hands-free driving. You can't be touching yep. things. Like yep. you got, you can't even. I don't even think you can have your. You're uh, not. You're not, you're not supposed, supposed to have your head hand up anymore. Right. You're not. Yeah, that so, just changed the uh, a couple recently. months ago. But uh, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to change. I'm driving. I don't want to change it. And she's like, well, what are you listening to? And I hit play, and she's like, oh my gosh. She was like, take it. So we turned on some Montel Jordan. And she, she was like, do you know who Montel Jordan is? And I was like, this is how we do it. And she was like, oh, the car went nuts. I got a good tip from that one. But, uh, but yeah, like like white guys, right? Like, yeah. Yes, we're white. Well, and, and, <laughs> look so, up Strahan. He's got a great voice. So like we've made an effort to make sure that <laughs> the diversity of voices that we do have are represented yes. in our leadership conversations, whether that, that um, be, you know, uh, guys and girls or, or age range. Yeah. But it's like. The challenge has been put out there to me be, um, in in some of this leadership training that I've gone through is if your church your church does not become diverse by accident, mm-hmm. right? Like even even churches that are in incredibly diverse area, which Boise's not an incredibly diverse area, right? Um, but even churches that are, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. don't find themselves being diverse yeah. if they don't make that effort. Well, and like I was watching one interview on a on a Facebook Live post uh, with a friend of ours, Phil Tag, and some other pastors in Sioux Falls, um, and the one guy, you know, he he had mentioned like. Um, don't be diverse just so you can say you're diverse. Like check yes. your heart on this. Check your heart on it. Right. It's not a badge. It's not. It's not a. It's not a merit badge. And it, he's like, if you have you know one African American family in in your church, don't call them up on stage every year for Martin Luther King uh, Junior Day. You know, oh, like gosh. he was like, don't you know? Don't use that as your you know token family. Right. He's like, if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to being a diverse church. You got to go all in, and your heart better be, you know, check your heart, mm-hmm. which is what we said from the beginning of this conversation, right? We, we all need always to check our heart. It's always, always a heart, heart issue. issue. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think about, um, I think about there's a statistic that the, the most segregated time of the week in it's the Sundays. U.S. is it Sunday mornings. Is. It still is. Yeah. And, and now we know that that is because, um, different you know there's there's different cultural ways of communicating mm-hmm. and cultural preferences that are deeply ingrained into the way that we practice our faith mm-hmm. um and so there's always going to be you know those things right like there's jokes about um in christian circles about white people church and black people church and mm-hmm. you know we're sleeping right i mean the what what it was the um the there was a joke about, I, I grew up in a very um, kind of more, when I was really young, a little more conservative, like, you don't even clap, you know, oh, yeah. kind of church, right? The, yeah. uh, oh, there's a joke about it. I can't remember it about it. Anyways, there's a name for it. It doesn't matter. Um, but so, yeah, there, that's a reality where, you know, it's, but that doesn't mean that that's an excuse to not. To not see some kind of unity mm-hmm. happen, like oh, they just do church differently than we right. do, or you know, it, because all of a sudden that becomes us versus them language, right? Uh, and anytime you you find yourself using us versus them language, um, we should take a moment or, and pause and go, yeah. okay, why why did I just say that? Right. Well, and that reminds me of a, a, a African American lady, uh, Christina Cleveland. Uh, wrote a book, Disunity in Christ. Um, yeah, she she talks about the the divisive language that we mm-hmm. use, whether we realize we're using it or not. She talks about the divisive language that we use, um, and instead of saying us and them, um, using we and us, mm-hmm. right? Instead of us versus you know, because us and them sounds like we're competing, right? But we and us, well, now we're on the same team, mm-hmm. you know. So. I uh, yeah, it's it's that's like, another book, Disunity in Christ. Sorry, it, it's the difference <laughs> between and this is uh, see now I'm vamping. I'm going to use a sports Careful, analogy. Man. I'm double vamping because I don't know wow. anything about sports. <laughs> but it's the don't. difference between having like two football teams, right? Like say Broncos, Broncos versus Raiders. The Broncos, right? yes, Broncos, 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 Broncos versus. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right where we go, well, our church is the Broncos and their church is the Raiders. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's the difference between like okay special teams and offense and defense yeah. and like okay there's there's different teams and they might play different roles and they meet the needs in different communities but you've got to be on the same team right 
Yeah. Um, and that, like all analogies, that's a broken analogy, but yeah, that's okay. So let's talk a little bit because we are at we're over our hour mark, and I want to make sure we pray. Um, yeah. Let's give some some things. One one would be um, be aware, be self aware on where our own uh, biases mm-hmm. uh, are, um, even the ones that we didn't realize are there, um, and challenge ourselves yeah. to identify those things. Yeah, for most people, it's it's not going to be an explicit bias. Yeah, it's not. Like, let's be real. Like most people, it's not going to be an explicit. I I hate black people. I hate Jews, or I hate you know whatever. It, it's going to be an implicit where and and I'll and I'll be honest. And I don't again because you just got home. I don't know how much you saw when you were driving. Uh, I hope you didn't see any when you were driving. Um, <laughs> but on on Facebook, uh, a friend of mine, I was having a conversation with Lucy. Um, I, I I told her I was like. I've seen more of my white friends coming to this realization this week that, oh man, things are really bad. Now, some of them are feeling guilty that it took them this long. Mm-hmm. And part of me, I'm like, because I've dealt with that guilt a few years ago. I, I dealt with some of that guilt where I realized, oh, there's things I've done, things I've said that I didn't realize were harmful, mm-hmm. right? Like in the past, I'll use myself as an example. I'm going to call myself out. In the past, with an event like this, I might have said, Something along the lines of, give that officer a chance. Let's let the whole story play out. We can be dismissive. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or or we try to, um, or a- another thing that we can, we, we sometimes do is we go, he, because there, there is some truth to it, right? He, he doesn't represent all police officers. Mm-hmm. Definitely, he doesn't re- represent all police officers. Definitely, there's good police officers. But let's we've not, seen a lot let's of not those. Swipe yeah. the, let's not swipe this under the rug, mm-hmm. right? Let's 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 look at this. Let's acknowledge it. Let's be uncomfortable with it. Let's grieve over it. You know. Um, but those those were some things I might have said in the past. Like give the, give this guy a chance. We don't know what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like Will Smith said, racism uh, never went away. It's just being filmed now, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like such a powerful quote, because uh, it's so true. Like it never went away. It's just we're seeing it more now. Yeah. Um, but you know, those are those are some things that when when the Holy Spirit, uh, a friend of mine, and I don't know if she wants me to name her name, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave her nameless for now. But in in my cultural context class, she had shared her story uh, of growing up as an African American woman, starting out in the South, moving to Ohio. Um, and then dealing with some stuff in elementary school and then middle school and then, and then high school and then college. Right. Mm-hmm. And as she was talking, none of it was like, I, none of it felt like, Oh, I've done this to her. Right. But the Holy spirit was like, Kellen, there's been times where, Oh, little crash. <laughs> it's okay. Erica didn't get hurt. Um, you know, it was the Holy spirit working on me going, Kellen, there's been times You've you've said this, and whether you realized it was hurtful or harmful, mm. it is, and it mm-hmm. was, and you need need to acknowledge this, and you need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, where I'm going with that is now I'm starting to see some of my friends that are dealing with that now, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but it's okay to feel guilty. It's okay to feel a bit of that shame. Wrestle with that. Deal with that with the Holy Spirit. Deal with that with Jesus. Deal with that with God. Right. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then, like you were just saying just a few moments ago, now take the next steps. Yeah, take the next next steps to move forward. Because if you just remain in this reflection and in this guilt and in this shame, um, 
That's not going to do anybody any good. Well, that's not where we're right? called to live. That's not where we're called. We're not called to stay there, right? Mm-hmm. We're called to move forward. Uh, we're called to bring people, like you, you mentioned it earlier, like uh, bring people to wholeness, right? Well, now how do we do that, right? Let's let's start taking those next steps and moving forward. Um, but where I am hopeful, and I realize I'm a white man saying this, where I am hopeful is I have seen more people this week come to grips with what's been going on in our country, not just recently, mm-hmm. but over X number of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm hopeful. Now it's just a matter of, like you said just a moment ago, and like they, mm-hmm. the lady said last night, now it's time to move forward. Start taking those next steps uh, to move the country forward, to make it better, uh, to make it better for people of color. Um, yeah. And I think with that means we we don't get the the luxury of of being quiet when we do observe yes. some of these things like we're not going to be the driving force behind these movements no right that's not that's not our place that's not our role right. but it doesn't give us an excuse to be silent either mm-hmm. um we can we can show camaraderie we can show support and we can speak out uh, when we do see things, because there we might not be the be get to be a driving force, but there are people whose lives that we are an influence in, mm-hmm. and we can step into those situations. And goes, hey, I've noticed this, and I think we need to talk about it, or mm-hmm. I think we need a heart check on this, or like it's a discipleship discipleship opportunity, right? Um, and you know, I was listening to the radio, and they said just because this is an issue that primarily affects ten percent of the population. 10% of the voices aren't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's going to take 100% of the voices in the U.S. to make the change that needs to change, mm-hmm. to make the shift that needs to shift. And um, and I know this is a, an incredibly complicated yeah. set of, like, and you, you can get into all the reasons of, well, there's this, or there's this, or what about these people, or what about, and it's like, let's find those moments where there is human injustice being done. Mm-hmm. And and say okay that may be real, or there may have been all of these circumstances surrounded why this happened, mm-hmm. but in the end, people are experiencing uh, pain and trauma and um, and an aggression that we need we need to find a way to to call out and we need to find a way to to step into. Um, and it, it's, uh, and I know it's hard. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for us to contextualize what we're thinking, mm-hmm. let alone you know begin to go. Okay, well, how do we live that out? Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it is. I mean, make sure your heart's right, and and that yeah. you're willing to you're willing to say say to step into the those moments when you you do have something to say. Right. Well. And- yeah, I saw a post uh, an hour or two before I came over to your place. Um, you know, regarding last night, uh, you know, the the lady said um, something along the lines of like the reason, part of the reason last night was so peaceful was there were so many white people, <laughs> right? <laughs> and your your first your first reaction might be like that's wrong, but then when you think about it. Right. Let's go back a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. What happened in this country because of COVID? How many white people did we see storming Capitol buildings? And I don't want to talk about you laugh at me. So I laugh at you when you talk sports. Oh, you, you laugh at me when I talk about guns. But we saw white people 
going into Capitol buildings, st- standing on their steps, uh, steps of the Capitol buildings all across country with guns. I don't know what kind they were. Big guns. I'm going to say big guns, and you can laugh at me, <laughs> just like I did when you said I Broncos. I mean, just use the word tactical. Tactical. Uh, that'll, um, that'll go. That would take you a long way. Yeah, the, the big guns. But, uh, but for real, though, right? Like, they went to the Capitol buildings in multiple states, even here in Idaho, in, in, yeah. here in Boise. Yep. None of them got tear gassed. Mm-hmm. None of them. We have people marching in the street peacefully and we're seeing him shot in the head with rubber bullets which you're like oh rubber bullet like that's not supposed to hurt but you see people losing eyeballs it's not supposed to kill you it's not supposed to kill you but it doesn't it maims you yeah it will you know yeah but they're being tear gassed they're being beaten they're being like some of them are you talked about one video you saw where it was like i think you said it was a row of white guys and like one african-american man the cop out of walked New York, up, yeah. out of New York, walked up to the African American man, pulled down his mask that he was wearing for COVID, you know, to protect himself, mm-hmm. and he sprays the African American man with mace. Didn't get all the white guys, yeah, right. So that's so when you see this lady's post, when I saw this lady's post, my first initial thought was like, I don't know if that's right, and immediately I checked myself and I was like, wait a minute, yes it is, mm-hmm. and- right. Yeah, and and I'm, I want to also give credit to the. I mean, the the, the Boise PD has been. Yeah. Um, they well, they have worked hand in hand. It looks like with they worked so with the 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 ladies who organized last night. They, they mentioned the ladies mentioned it. Mm-hmm. They worked with local authorities. They worked with the the police department. Um, not only that, there was one there was one protest while you were gone. Uh, where they were on the steps, and, and it was a smaller. Oh, I think I saw some video of that one. It was a smaller protest, but again. It was even even the 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 men who spoke at that one. They're like, look, I've personally never like the one guy. He was from like Compton, I think he said, and he was like, look, uh, I've never dealt with anything here in Boise compared to what I've dealt with in Compton. You know, um, now that doesn't mean our our Boise Police Department is perfect. They wouldn't say they're perfect, but yeah, it the the Boise Police Department. From what I've seen uh, on videos uh, locally, uh, what I experienced, they've been more than accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so prepared, prepared, but accommodating. Prepared but accommodating. Um, you know, but, th- yeah, yeah. It, you know, this is a. I know you want to get to prayer time. No, right? I know. I'm just I'm thinking, like, you, we I'm can. You. We have so much ground of things that we had talked about talking about and that, I mean, you barely scratched the surface and, um, and this is such a, a deep issue, but, um, I think what, what we need to walk away with is that first it starts with us. We've got to check our yeah. own hearts. We've got to check where we're at in the direction we're moving, why we feel the way we do about things, whether you agree, um, with whatever side of the issue, you know, if you were to, and I'd really honestly hate that language cause I don't think it's a sides issue. It's a human issue. Right. Um, but wherever you're at in the political spectrum, uh, wherever you're at on the, the socioeconomical, cultural spectrum, uh, check where you're at. Be self-aware. Look at um, um, the, the the crowd that you're running in, where that's at. You know, your friends, your family, um, the, the, the place that you live. Uh, and, and begin to read viewpoints that are different than yours. And when you see something that ultimately doesn't fall in line with the model that Christ set for us. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way somebody asks or is acting 
or or what they're saying and, and you're looking at social and you go i don't think jesus would say that <laughs> we should have an issue with that i see that on facebook all the time i, I know and i'm like that. i see my, my christian <laughs> brothers and sisters saying things on oh. facebook that i'm going i don't think jesus would say that or yeah. i don't think jesus would 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 feel that way or 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 believe that and i go that should cause us to go you know what i think i need to have a conversation yeah uh, and those are hard to step into. Yeah. And I would not suggest doing it in the comments section. <laughs> I would suggest calling oh, that person, man, yeah. grabbing coffee with them, uh, and, and having a sit down and going, hey, I just, as as a brother or sister in Christ, I feel I need to talk to you about this. Yeah. Um, because we, we've got to lay some groundwork for, for that to be received. Um, because heart issues, and this is a heart issue, you don't fix en masse. You don't fix with policy. You don't fix with reform. You fix one person at a time with um, with the power of Christ and the power of discipleship. Mm. <laughs> uh, and that's really that's really where where we need we need to go. Yeah, policy and reform are important. They're important. But when if we want to change the heart, that's the power of God. Mm -hmm. So let's pray and. Um, if you are watching online or if you're watching this later, I would encourage you to to pray as well. Um, obviously, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it's a disclaimer. Um, but we're going to just end in a... Um, I'm going to uh, just have a, a, a little bit of silence here, and then we will uh, we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I, I know it breaks your heart to see uh, to see your creation um, divided, to see mm -hmm. your church divided. Uh, I, I pray that in any ways that we've contributed to that, as as individuals, um, as a church, as a denomination, as as a people, that uh, we will repent of that. Um, Lord, I pray that you will transform our hearts to be closer in line uh, with the, the example that Christ set for us, to be closer in line with the people that you have created us to be, the people that you are, are calling us to be, Lord. I pray that when you put us in a, a position of influence uh, to speak into people's lives, that we will not shy away from hard conversations just because they make us uncomfortable. I pray that we will not shy away from uh, cultural and social issues just because we're not sure how well received it will be. But at the end of the day, we will stand for the things that you stand for. That we will uh, we will treat your creation and our brothers and sisters in Christ the way that mm. you would treat them, Lord. Uh, that we will be unified first and foremost by the blood of Christ. Because in you, there's, there's no male or female, there's no Jew or Greek, mm -hmm. there is only the brothers and sisters, heirs of the King, Lord. 
I pray that we will will act like that. We'll live that out. We'll be excited when we get to uh, we get to do ministry and the work of the kingdom uh, with with people who who have a different perspective and a different mm-hmm. background and a different culture. And there's such a richness in participating in that. Lord, I, I pray that we will not see those things as threats, um, and that when it's hard and it's difficult, and because differences will can cause strife and tension. That we will we'll embrace that to the best that we can and, and just step in and go, Lord, show me, show me with new eyes. Give me empathy when I need empathy. Give me um, give me discernment and wisdom where I need that, Lord, and and help me step into these these conversations and these realities. Lord, I, I pray that we will not be politically driven in our response to the current cultural uh, crisis and the current cultural climate, but we will be driven by your kingdom by your love, by your calling, by your gospel. And it'll be the, it'll be the words of Christ on our lips before it's the, the words of whatever uh, uh, political leader or cultural leader or, um, or human role model that we, have, we are following in this time. Lord, I, I pray that you will supersede all of that in our lives. Lord, your kingdom... Your kingdom is, is is a kingdom of unity and a peace of peace among among all among all peoples that will all be represented. And so I pray that we will desire to see that here and now. Uh, and Lord, if there are things in our hearts that need to be shifted, I pray that um, we will do the hard work. Of lamenting those things, giving them to you, apologizing when we do apologize, reconciling where we need to reconcile, and doing everything we can to be a force for your kingdom moving forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us and uh, being here with us. Um, it's a hard conversation and uh, not one we we were not one that we relished having, but one that we knew was important to have. Yeah. And uh, so thanks for joining us. And next week, um, we have got uh, an awesome guest, uh, one of Kellen's buddies. He's uh, your buddy, too. Oh, yeah. Phil Tang. Oh, yeah, this, this is, is Phil. Phil Sorry. Tang. I was like, wait, he's your friend, too. <laughs> I'm two weeks ahead. You're two, I'm weeks, two ahead. weeks ahead. Okay, next week we've got Phil Tag, yeah. pastor at the Ransom Church in Sioux Falls. He's going to be joining us, and uh, he's been a mentor in both of our lives and uh, also a friend. And cannot wait uh, to talk with him. And if you have not had the honor of getting to meet him or or hear him speak before, um, excited to get to introduce you to him as well. So join us next Wednesday at 7 p.m. And uh, until then, um, man, I I hope that uh, you find yourself safe and you find yourself being able to make an impact in this world.